Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Uncut Hawaii, a place where we get to chat with Hawaii's top entrepreneurs, creatives, and changemakers. Yeah, uncut and in their own words. So today we have Chef Robin Ma'i, who is the chef down at FET in Chinatown. Have you been there? Oh yeah, I love it. They're double fried chicken. Ooh, um, she recently won a James Beard Award. That's huge, especially for Hawaii because the last winner was in 2003. Yeah, that's crazy. Hawaii's so proud. And what also makes it extra special is she's the first woman of Hawaiian descent to win it. So Ooh, I know. Hawaii yeah. is stoked and we're stoked to have her on here. Yeah, so we are so so honored to have her on and she talks about her journey and what it was like to win the award. So let's get into it. All right, Chef Robin, thank you so much for joining us. And we want to get into your whole story. But first of all, congratulations yes, on congratulations. the epic, huge award, James Beard Award. How does, is it still feel, does it feel real? <laughs> it, it doesn't feel real still because we've been too busy. <laughs> so thank you so much for the, the congratulations. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, and... You know, we're still in COVID, so we all came back from Chicago, and we all got sick. Oh, Are you serious? I oh, said, no. No, I said to Emily, Emily Iguchi, our chef de cuisine, went to the trip with us, uh -huh. and so the house lights on the opera house was, were coming down, and I turned to her, and the last thing I said was, you know we're all going to get sick. <laughs> she said, shut up. <laughs> oh, you no. manifested it. <laughs> well, because we, there were people from all over the country, mm -hmm. um, and there were just a lot of too long interactions with people that mm. you don't know with too many, yeah, with just too many people. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like I, inevitable almost. <laughs> yes, I, I guess it was worth it. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're healthy. Yes, everyone's healthy now. <laughs> Good. But but it was, it just, it started this chain reaction of like people, we weren't all sick at the same time. It kind of just went one after another. Mm -hmm. And so we were already short staffed with the restaurant. And so having people not be at work was, was extra challenging. So yeah, I was right about to ask, isn't Emily huge. like your right hand like person? She like, is. So it's like, did you guys both get sick at the same time? Um, no, she oh, okay. got it first and then we were just testing constantly uh -huh. and then I tested, I ended up testing positive three days later. Mm, yeah. Well, again, I'm glad everyone is healthy. Yes, everyone's healthy. <laughs> Thank you healthy. for being here with us. <laughs> we're so stoked because, you know, um, I've worked with you with Hawaiian Airlines and all that. And like, we, we talked a little bit about your story and whatnot, but like we, we really want to deep dive into your journey and like, mm -hmm. you know, okay. how you became a chef and everything that's going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us where the story begins. Did you always know that you wanted to be a chef? That's really an interesting question. Um, I didn't know I wanted to go to culinary school until my la my, my senior year in mm -hmm. college. So oh. everyone was like trying to decide if they're going to be a consultant, if they're going to go to law school, med school. And it was this huge dilemma for me of what I wanted to do. My parents had just spent a fortune uh -huh. um, on college sending me to Middlebury. And I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do something like you guys, something that you're passionate about, something mm -hmm. that you were excited to wake up every single morning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure our parents worked really hard. But if you ask them, hey, do you love your job? They would probably look at us like, hmm, maybe not. But mm -hmm. they had families and they, they, they understand, they understood the you know, the importance of working hard and providing for their families and buying a house and sending their kids to school. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I believe all of that. I just thought, well, couldn't we do this 
doing something that was that made us happier. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you're yeah. gonna spend yeah. several decades doing it. So. Yes. Yeah. So what path were you on at that time? I think senior year in college. Probably to be a teacher. Oh, okay. because my mom was a teacher and my grandmother was a teacher. Oh. My dad has taught. My sister has taught. Oh, wow. Um, so it was that just sort of, yeah, it runs in the family. Yeah. And, and it was for a lot of people. That's how it is. You know, like you, you grow up around that and like you kind of just like not forced into it, but you can just grow into it because it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. So yes. you to do that. How and, did, and respectable. Yes. Right. Yes. Like yes. we have Asian, Asian parents. And so um, it. It's nice to be able to say, my daughter is going to be a teacher, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's harder for an Asian mother to say, oh, yes, and my daughter is going to be a cook, right? <laughs> not even a chef, <laughs> because, a, yeah. because the chef part comes later. Later, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So what made you take that leap to consider culinary? Um, well, when I told my parents I wanted to go to culinary school, they, the, the first thing they said was, well, you're on your own because mm-hmm. we can't afford any more schooling. And, uh-huh. and you know, it's I didn't realize how expensive culinary school was. So if you look mm-hmm. at, um, like, the Culinary Institute of America or the French Culinary Institute, it's, it's really expensive, right? So in any of these programs, right, if you wanted to go into graphic design or media or fashion, they're all very expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, it how was... How long, too, is culinary school, typically? It, it Typically, maybe two years, okay. or maybe if you if you just did like a really fast program, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it's tens of thousands of dollars, and so when you graduate or you get your certificate, then now you have to, you know, pay your pay loans your, back. Yeah, pay your debt. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then but you're making minimum wage typically. Right. So depending upon where what city you're in, that could mean you know eight dollars an hour. It could mean ten dollars an hour, twelve dollars mm-hmm. an hour. So, um, so it's it's it. It doesn't really add up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I decided to come home to Hawaii and go to Kapi'olani Community College, mm. which was a bargain, and it was so awesome. Mm-hmm. It's such a great program, too, and not a lot of people realize that. Yes, and so, and then not only that, it was already a bargain, but then I ended up applying for scholarships. So really, I paid almost zero dollars wow. to go to culinary nice. school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And you get to be home. I got to be home, and then, but, you know, because... When I moved to New York City, I think I had this little, like, chip on my shoulder, like, oh, I didn't go to the fancy schools. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But then you quickly realized, you, you're like, oh, my God, I know everything that you know, except that I don't have the attitude. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, everyone's, like, <laughs> thinks they're the shit because they went <laughs> right. to CIA or, right, you know. Right, right. Uh-huh. So, so and, and the funny thing is, Emily Iguchi, who's our chef de cuisine, she also went to Kapilani Community College. That's awesome. Um, so, did you meet her there? No. Oh, dude, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, we should do a podcast on Emily yeah. Gucci and yeah, Robin Mai. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because um, the short story is is that uh, I lived in New York City for fifteen years, and mm-hmm. M lived in New York City for almost eleven years, and we never met each other. However, oh, wow. yeah. we lived a block and a half away no from way. each other, it and we knew probably we know probably about twenty people in common. Oh, crazy! So, but you guys never met each other directly. Right. But from all that's inter- a surprise. Is she from Hawaii too? She's not from Hawaii, but she moved to Hawaii for culinary school. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but she went to UCLA. And she lived with one of my friends from high school. Like, it's so oh, nice. Oh, really close yes. connections. No, yeah, it yeah. is. So, like, close connections in all aspects of our of our lives. Uh-huh. So, it's it's pretty, it gives me um, chicken skin to think about my relationship with her. So, how did you guys end up connecting? Um, 
through one of my first culinary students uh, worked with Emily. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah, Sal. And so he kept on saying, like, you have to meet my friend Robin. And, you know, all of a sudden, Chuck and I already, Chuck, my husband, uh-huh. we already moved to Hawaii and Emily was still in New York City. But then through the through the coconut wireless, <laughs> we found out that she was moving to Hawaii with her, her husband, who's mm. also a chef. Mm-hmm. So I Crazy. met her. I met her at FET. She came in for lunch one day. Oh. Wow. So yeah. That's crazy. Okay, so back to your story. So Kapilani and then um What even before that though, like were you interested in like culinary? Like what, what kind of sparked that? Were you cooking at a young age or like yes. did you grow up around that? Cooking, so I think we're we take it for granted growing up in Hawaii how awesome our food is. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. Like every meal is awesome. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Even simple meals are awesome. And so when I moved to the mainland, I just assumed that everybody was eating delicious food all the time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you quickly realize, oh, it's not the same. It's not the same. Uh-huh. It's not the same. And not that there aren't like good things here and there that are there you know, are regional specialties. Mm-hmm. But growing up Hawaii, everything is delicious. Mm-hmm. And so my parents both cooked. Um, we rarely went out to eat. If we did, it was a special occasion. So mm-hmm. um, we were always spending time in the kitchen. So it was very much. I mean, my sister is also a good a good cook. My brother is a good cook. Mm-hmm. Everyone can cook in, in the family. Oh, nice. Because what kind of food did you grow up on? All kinds of food. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my mom is ethnically Korean, so there was always kimchi Ooh. on the table. Homemade? Yes. No, never homemade. Oh. She's, oh. she's, she's just... A little bit Korean, <laughs> except, except for her, except for her, um, her personality. Yeah, yeah. she's very Korean. Um, but no, she. It was always store bought, and uh-huh. it was always. Um, but we would have taco night or spaghetti, mm-hmm. and there would still be kimchi. Yeah, yeah, right? that's how it is. Now they've combined it, and it's amazing. Yes, or kimchi, kimchi on a tuna fish sandwich. Ever oh, that's that? funny. Oh, no. no, it is. It'll change your life. Really? Yes. I'm having just, that for lunch. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just make a regular tuna fish sandwich and put, and put kimchi. Tuna. I mean, oh, yeah. yes. that's a great idea, though. Oh, so delicious. I can imagine mm-hmm. it would be really good. Yeah, especially in Hawaii. I mean, like, it's like a mix of, like, different cuisines and, you know, cultures and whatnot. So the food is, you know, shows that Mixed. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. And both all my grandparents were born and raised in Hawaii. So mm-hmm. it's not like you know, my grandmother came from Korea. Mm-hmm. So so really, I grew up very, very local. It's like mm-hmm. local style Korean. Yes, mm-hmm. local style Korean. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, was so interesting because she was a very good cook of all things, mm-hmm. including Korean food. But she was also a fantastic baker. Ooh. So she was constantly baking like chiffon pies and coconut cake. Oh, and wow. Those cre- are fancy cream baking. puffs. Should have ate before I did this. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> and the most amazing thing she would make, I mean, she would make these for New Year's Eve, uh, for New Year's Day, she would make these huge Korean spreads, which, you know, just appeared. Like the little every, things? Yes. Like, like 20 things. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and she would do it all herself. Wow. And not until I went to culinary school did I realize when I was trying to actually, not until I moved to New York City when I was trying to replicate these meals. Mm-hmm. I realized how much time mm-hmm. went into them. Also, she used to make her own um, croissants. What? Wow, that seems like a really 
like skilled thingy. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and she's she, making it all by herself. I wouldn't even right. attempt to do that. And she taught herself. So I remember wow. being really little and being very greedy and stuffing the croissants in my face. And, and she would always scold me and she said, you have to enjoy it. Like grandma spent so much time making it. Uh-huh. Wow. And you know, it just looks like a little pastry. Uh-huh. So my 10 year old brain is, is wondering what, what's the what? big deal? It's uh-huh. so delicious. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. then I went to culinary school and we did croissants and I said, holy shit, I can't <laughs> believe my, my Korean grandmother <laughs> taught herself how to make croissants uh-huh. in her little Ina Haina kitchen. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's so yeah. special. That- I mean, most people, I mean, grew up with like chocolate chip cookies or something like easy, but homemade croissants, that's pretty and, special. And they didn't appear weekly. It was probably something that she did a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. But still, that, that, that makes it very special. And I think, mm-hmm. like, grandmothers in general, right? They just want to make sure you're fed. They want to make sure everyone's fed. Yeah, <laughs> it's all the love. My grandma spent, like, all of her time in the kitchen uh-huh. cooking. So that was kind of your first exposure. I mean, you grew up around it in your family and all that. And do you remember, like, your first meal that you cooked or, like, anything? First first thing I cooked, I was probably three or four, and it was scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs, yeah. At yes. three or four, though? <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. With my grandmother. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. So those are, like, precious memories already. Yes. A lot of box muffin mm-hmm. <laughs> baking, uh-huh. which, which I thought was just amazing. I just love, and still to this day, I love the taste of blueberry muffin batter. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what it is about it. I just love the it. The taste of the batter? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the boxed muffin batter. Yes. Yeah. No, blueberry. it has that, yeah, the blueberry one, though. It has that that smell. It, not necessarily blueberry. It doesn't really <laughs> smell like blueberry. And my parents bought me Gosh, I must have been eight, nine, or ten. Um, maybe you guys are too young, but they had a, a little baking oven for kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? With, like, the little packets of mm-hmm. cake batter and the little heart-shaped. Those things came back. The Easy Bake Oven? Yes. Yeah. Those things came back like my kids asked for that. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Get them exposed <laughs> to the kitchen. So you had that? So I had that, and my parents always... We always had people over, small groups, large groups. Mm -hmm. And so it was always a mix of the larger groups. It was always a mix of cooked things and catered things. Um, Like there is an old time catering company called Akith. I don't know if it still exists, but mm. they would we would always buy noodles and maki sushi from them. Mm. But then mom and dad would always cook the rest. Mm -hmm. And so, but crazy things where my mother would make this huge bowl of lumpia filling. Ooh. And then so, right, what, everyone knows what lumpia is. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. labor intensive. It's like making yeah. mandu or yeah. making uh-huh. gyoza. Totally. You just have to, like, get into it, sit around table, and just, yeah. like, get Everybody into it. Everybody help. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then my Korean mother says, okay, here's the wrappers, and here are the scissors. You're going to cut the lumpia wrappers <laughs> in half to make minis. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it was just... Step. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so much work it is but then it's like you're all together doing it yes mm-hmm. all together so food was very food is very important and and it's funny because all i have two siblings and we're all married and all of our spouses love eating and cooking as well so i oh. feel like that was really important in yeah. the picking our partner uh-huh. yes so you food. you're not the one that has to cook all the family meals no when you get together it's, 
it's like a full-time blood sport when it comes to talking about food and what we're going to have for the holidays. Yeah. That's, that's fun, though, because, I mean, like, you know, you talk about, like, food, bringing people together and celebrating, and I think that's where you kind of, like, the concept behind FET as well, right? Like, just, like, cooking. Yes. And, good food and that people like to enjoy so tell us when fet came into the picture and like did you always know you wanted to open something up or no i i (laughs) i thought that i mean really because i left industry and so when i say that people are people ask what does that mean leaving industry so it was so awful not not everything about it but some of the jobs that i had were just so brutal Mm -hmm. um and to think about having a family or am i going to be doing feeling this way at work for the next 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I couldn't see past, it, it didn't seem like a viable situation for me. So I was trying to get out of the kitchen, stay in industry, but maybe still do things with food. Um, and so I never thought about opening up a restaurant until, I mean, the short story is, is like we tried to get pregnant, we couldn't have children. And then um, we just decided that, hey, let's do something for us. Like, we we can do this. Um, I'm, like, really simplifying it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, but so we really started thinking about it in 2011. Okay. So, so the, mm-hmm. yeah, so, so 2011 11. to 2014, we really worked hard on the business plan and with this idea that we move home mm-hmm. and open up the restaurant. And we really wanted to open up a restaurant where people felt very well taken care of and that, um, the food would be a foundation for their occasion. I just felt like there was this movement in New York City, especially where the food just became more important than the people. Mm. And um, and I think that's fine. I think it's 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 like it's going to um, it's going to Broadway mm-hmm. or going to a museum mm-hmm. where you're appreciating someone's craft mm-hmm. and. And that's why you're going because you're having this grand tasting menu and everything is like very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and but we wanted to open up a restaurant where people felt they could drop in for whatever reason mm-hmm. and that their occasion was the most important part of being at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What so. was that? I know you said that you had you were. Um, you never thought you would open up your own restaurant and it does have kind of that. It seems like a, re- a really difficult thing to do. I mean, we're not in that industry, so we don't know. But what we see from the outside, it's like everybody's like grinding so hard, like working long hours. And it seems like a really monumentous task to try to take on. So is that, I mean, did that scare you? Like that, the idea of opening your own restaurant, <laughs> putting your name behind something? It's, 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 it was scary. I did a lot of talking to people mm-hmm. about um, their small businesses, restaurants, and other people. And then I realized that opening up a restaurant is um, no different, no different from what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever there is a shoot or a video, I just I look at I look at Chuck and I said, "Why do these people do this? This is so crazy." <laughs> so it's funny because people think uh-huh. we're crazy, but I think that everyone, you know, yeah, yeah, it's like everyone's every in their industry has industry. Industry. Mm-hmm. yes, and and. And I think that restaurants have a bad, like, rap. Not rap, but, like, people say, oh, you know that restaurants are are the most um, unsuccessful businesses, mm-hmm. right? It's because more people think they can open up restaurants than any other industry, mm. right? So when people think, oh, I want a business, they think, oh, I love food. I restaurant. love cook. I uh-huh. can cook. I open up a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it's not really true. The only reason why more restaurants fail is because more people are opening up restaurants. Mm, that's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. There's more numbers. But that's there's statistic. still failure in all other small businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's yes. just that people don't wake up in the morning thinking, thinking, oh, I'm gonna Open. own a hair salon yeah. or yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So so that's the interesting thing, and and the hard work was never. We we like to work hard. I mean, you guys like to work mm-hmm. hard. It's mm-hmm. it's very physical mm-hmm. what you what you do, um, and there's a lot of heavy lifting, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's the same thing with with restaurants. It's just I thought people would question me not being in industry and mm-hmm. why and question that 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 was something that I was a mm-hmm. really sort of emotional um, hurdle that I had to get pushed mm-hmm. through. Because I didn't have the the pedigree, right? Like, who did you work for? Oh, right? Yeah, you yeah. ask everyone in Hawaii, right? Who did you Who did you study with? Who mm-hmm. did you? Who did you s- yeah. Yes, right. And I didn't I didn't come up through Alan Wong's or Roy's or mm-hmm. you know Danielle Balud's kitchens or you know Alain Decasse or mm-hmm. any of those people. But mm-hmm. I was very passionate about cooking, and that's how I spent all my free time was just in the kitchen. I love that story because there's multiple ways to success, not the typical one that everybody seems to, to typical role that people tend to take. But there are there's more ways to get to a certain point than what people might expect. I love that. Yeah. And I think the big thing you, you were saying, too, was like even when like in college, you're trying to figure out like what you wanted to do. Um, you wanted to do something that, you know, you're passionate about and stoked to do and you're saying that the industry wasn't fulfilling, so you found another way to stay in, you know, culinary, but not through the industry. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, How long were you out of, what do you call it, out of, out of industry. industry? I know, yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> A long time. My last kitchen job before, well, okay, well, that's not true. So my last conventional kitchen job was in 2001. Oh, wow. So then we opened up that in 2016. Yep. Oh, yep. wow. So that's a so long time. So it had time. been yeah, like, like 10 years years before you even started planning that. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. But in, in, in that time period, I was in culinary education. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as if I wasn't in mm-hmm. the kitchen doing things. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, culinary education is very different. Mm-hmm. So um, there's not the pressure. And then, of course, you're, you're, you're teaching and there's a lot of pedagogy and all of that. So, um, so you were teaching or were you like? I was teaching oh, nice. and I was running programs. So oh, two so different, two different. Oh, nice. So you yeah. kind of like New took York it back City? to your roots. In, yeah, in oh, New York okay. City. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. to get back to right. your right. teaching. Yeah. Right. So I did. That's right. true. Yeah. <laughs> you combined so you the yeah, two you somehow. Combined your two passions. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I had a really I was on tenure track at a at a very very good co- um, community college in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and so when we announced that we were going to leave, every all my colleagues said. No one leaves this job. You know that. And I said, I know because it's awesome because uh-huh. I barely work and I make pretty good money. Yeah. You know? And, and you're so, on your way to getting tenured. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there were semesters where my husband said, are you, do you work? And I said, I said, oh, you know, this semester I only have to roll in twice a week. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he just looks at me. So but I bet that was very fulfilling as well because, you know, you came up as a student and then you're able to kind of give back in a way too, right? And teach like the next generation. So that, yeah, I was kind of confused when you said like my first culinary student, Sal, right? Yes. So was he learning in Brooklyn with you? No, or, he, oh. was at, he was at the previous culinary oh, okay, school. Okay. So, 
But still, yeah. So you, yes. you were a teacher at one point. Yes. Oh, nice. That's awesome too because when you teach, like even like when we will like have workshops and you actually have to switch your brain a little bit to be like, now I have to understand, figure out how to do the thing, but but then to explain it and teach it, it's like a whole other level of knowing your shit, basically. Yes, it's very hard. And, and I think the reason why I loved it so much, and this is what we still do, Emily and I really just do this every single day, is impress upon everyone patience and, and repetition, right? So don't get frustrated. Be frustrated, but understand that the next time you do it, then it's going to be easier. And I know everyone wants to go fast, but mm-hmm. there are just certain things that just need their own time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. that is, that's cooking. And that's, or, you know, anything, any, any artistic endeavor, endeavor, right? And so what's hard is that nowadays there's so many restaurants that are very, they, they're designed to have robots in them. Hmm. Right, so the Olive Garden, yeah, like Olive all the Garden, systems, all yeah, the yeah. systems, right? And so when we do have cooks who have that experience that come through the through Fed, it's very difficult because we're asking them to pay attention to every single detail, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. of the way we source, things don't come in mm-hmm. in an, in a tidy yeah, yeah. weight or mm-hmm. or ripeness. It's everything we get what we get, and mm-hmm. we it's our job to to eke out the best of it. And so we really cook the way that our grandparents cooked. So they didn't have the luxury of having whatever they wanted whenever. Mm-hmm. They just, yeah. they, made the be- they made the best out of what, what was on hand. Yeah, what was in season. Yes. And mm-hmm. what they and had what available. what you're able to source, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and so the thicknesses of how, of how you cut, you know, the steak. So they, the cooks always want to know how long. Uh-huh. How long. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> It depends. <laughs> it, it it right. Yeah. It always depends. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, see, that's a, that's that's. So, would you say that that makes Fet unique? You know, to like like you're, like you're saying like to the systematic restaurants and and whatnot. You know, like how, because I know you source locally and like you bring in different ingredients at different times and and whatnot. So it's like kind of just like problem solving as you go and just making do with what you have, right? Yes, it's problem solving every single day. So mm. when. When I see, and we're so lucky now because I think that FET is old enough where the kinds of cooks that are attracted to being at FET, they, under, they understand mm-hmm. what we are doing. Um, and they're, they're sort of dedicated to that process. Um, and I think that most res- independent restaurants, that's what they strive for. That's why they didn't open a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very difficult. Like everyone says, how do you... How do you get the food to taste this way every day? And I said, I cross my fingers and <laughs> just keep on. Really, I, I tell people and they laugh. I said, I'm so, it's a miracle that anyone gets anything good to eat on a daily basis. Stop. Because, well, no. because it's so hard. It's yeah. so hard. And, and even though there are recipes and even though Emily and I are, are both of us are there almost every single day, um, it's, we can't have eyes on everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so you, so we have to continuously check, 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 and so that's why I think when um, you go to a restaurant and you think to yourself, like something's, it's just like it's fine, but it's not great. It's it's probably because the person in charge wasn't there that day. Mm-hmm. It's it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Because and it's not that everyone is not working hard. It's just it's so difficult. There's so many details. Like mm-hmm. if you watch 
people who really, really cook well, especially, I'm not talking about Russian people. I'm talking about like people who don't cook for a living. Mm -hmm. If you watch them cook something that they love and just watch them, they will taste the dish probably two dozen times. Yeah, all Mm -hmm. throughout, right, yeah. Right? Until it's just right. So imagine having to do that to an entire menu of food Mm -hmm. that have multi-components, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trusting, we're trying to train people to bring this this spirit to how they're cooking. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. You know, we talk about this with like so many of our other, like we've done so many podcasts here. And like in every industry, owning a business, like it's like about that trust and like, you know, bringing on someone that you trust because like you can't do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. So how was that for you? Like, did it like did you develop that trust right away when you started FET? Or like, you know, you brought in Emily and then your team and like, how was that? Well, the trust. So we've learned over the years, Emily and I, that we have better luck with people who have less cooking experience. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you kind of like mold you can them. help them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what age they are it matters what cooking experience they have Mm. it it's the sweet spot is someone who's probably been cooking maybe one or two years oh that's okay so they're they have some basics yes they know how to move in the kitchen Mm -hmm. they kind of know what the what the program is but they haven't been in industry long enough to unteach something yes that's kind of like when we talk with like filmmakers and yes stuff. it's we the same thing yeah. right mm-hmm. know the basics but we want to like get you to here you know yes oh, and okay. and we and we really try to emphasize that how we do things at vet is is how we do things at fet like mm-hmm. well, you don't have to you're going to go to a different kitchen and please don't say well at fet we did it this way right mm-hmm. like just <laughs> do it the way that the <laughs> chef is asking you to do it <laughs> yeah yeah please <laughs> i don't want to be a part of your narrative <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. right. that makes sense that makes sense though right. everybody Be- does it differently right and because the the re the the reality is is that hopefully these young people are gonna then go on and do their own thing and now they have more to pull from mm-hmm. right they have because certain certain things are appropriate for certain situations so mm-hmm. like you said it depends right mm-hmm. and so the more that they learn the better off they'll be and to make that, we call it, and Emily and I say, like, what's the move, right? Like, what move are you going to do mm. in this situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. You mentioned about um, when you're imagining creating FET and you're like, coming up with, like, how you want it to feel, that you wanted it to be about the people, too, not just about the food. So how do you do that? How do you make it about the people? I think... Um, when we first opened Fed, everyone wanted to have a very neat sort of, what kind of food are you doing? And um, I would say New American, and then everyone would say, well, what's what does that, that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And so then I said, well, we cook food that we like to, that we want to eat. And they're, they're, well, what do you like to eat? Right? <laughs> so it was just this. So we loved entertaining at home. We really miss it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our approach to having it be about the people is, is just ha- have asking them to trust us that mm-hmm. we, we, we were, we're, we're going to do our best to provide you with a delicious plate of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it all the time with people who come in for the first time. They're very nervous, mm-hmm. right? Because 
they've heard about us and then maybe they don't go out a lot and then they come and then you know, you want to make the right decision. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I've, I have felt that way in many restaurants yep. in yep. New York city, mm-hmm. right? The hype. And uh-huh. then, especially with all the, you Yelp and everything, right? You're like all the reviews and you're like, Oh my God, I got to order this. I mean, especially order now this? with yeah, all the, now, yeah. it's so social hard. Media. And mm-hmm. so we really try to reassure people that if it's not, if you don't like it, then that's fine. Let's, let's find something that you'd mm-hmm. like to have, you know? And and I think that's another reason why we opened up a restaurant because so many restaurants that we were going to, again, I'm, I don't mean to bash on New York yeah, City because yeah, there's yeah. so many awesome restaurants, but we just kept on we we were second second class citizens, right? You like you go to the podium and you check in, and the mm-hmm. hostess barely looks at you, <laughs> and then when he or she does they roll their eyes uh-huh. you know there's a lot of ro- eye rolling and then you sit oh, at, no. you sit at the <laughs> yeah. table and then and then you order and then you, you get told well the chef's going to send it out how they want to send it, it was just this whole weird mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and then you and then you have you just spent a fortune mm-hmm. and Chuck and I like to drink wine and cocktails so you know we just spent $300 on yeah. on a plate that you didn't even want <laughs> right or that was just really lackluster except that mm-hmm. the entire instagram world thinks that it's the shit right mm-hmm. like yeah. and and so chuck and i would say are we just assholes <laughs> like do, like seriously is there uh-huh. something and are then we missing something? right yeah. right and then you start talking to people off social media yeah yep. and everyone thinks the same thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel that yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like but no one's gonna say it because somebody knows somebody or whatever so yeah. we really try to that's why, like, if we, I think for me, the proudest thing about FET is when I take the time to look at the dining room and see who's in the dining room, so diverse. Mm-hmm. The, the kinds of people, the ages of people, mm-hmm. where they're from, it's such a diverse crowd, and I love that. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. The best is when kids tell me that the food is good. Oh, because, that's the yes. ultimate compliment. Because they don't lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. That's true, that's true. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, I think finally, six and a half years in, it feels, I feel a little bit better about how things are. Nice. Good. Yeah. And so, uh, and it's like an experience, right? And like, a, well, how would you describe the experience that people can expect when they go there? I think that they can expect um, delicious food, first and foremost, and and then things to go with it. So Chuck does the wine list, and really what he's trying to do is pick wines that go well with food. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know it's intimidating for some people because they don't see their favorite wines or they don't see their favorite varietals. And it's not because um, we don't, think that they're good things but we're always thinking about food Mm -hmm. so does (laughs) this does this and so a lot of our wine list is very acid acid forward you Mm -hmm. know because because that goes well with food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. okay yeah that makes sense yeah so people should just kind of have an open mind the open mind and also um I think that our our front of the house staff does a really great job of we ask a lot of them meaning meaning what are the ingredients? What is this? What is this made from? What are the? Who are the farmers? And so it's a lot of explaining. Mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. again, it we have to trust them to convey all of this in. And you know, people have short attention spans, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, now, yeah. Yes. So it's it's um, 
it's also very hard because because of the way we source people read about things online and then having oh. to deal with their disappointment that we don't have this dish that they're like fixated on mm. right so the 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 f servers have to sort of say i know like you know we're out of that today because it's not in season or we didn't get mm -hmm. it in and then but this is really delicious instead so mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of just go in and open mind and trust trust yeah. the process i love what is what is the way you talk about the way that you source so tell us about that and how important that is to you so I think I started thinking about this thing when I was teaching in culinary school. So we had to order our own ingredients or we had to put in a, um, a requisition, right, to the purchaser. Mm. And I would see many of my colleagues have this sort of, like, every single week have this tantrum. Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I get that? And uh -huh. I, I was just watching this play <laughs> out. And I knew I, I was... I, I knew this person who did the purchasing and because it's a culinary school, you have to, you know, there are minimums. You can't buy, you can't buy like Just one like ounce of, <laughs> right. of a, of a spice, right? You have uh -huh. to buy the whole container. Mm -hmm. So, so, so for the way that I did my planning was I said, I'm just going to, have her get things I know that she can get because I don't want to have, I don't want to start off my day that way. Right. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what is easy? What is easy to get? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's how we do it at FET, meaning what is, we're on an island. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? What can we get? What can we, what, what is here? What, sorry. Nope. What is here? What, what, so we don't have that added stress. So that, that kind of falls into just buying local, seeing what's available and then backing into it menu wise, because I don't want to have a tan, like, you know, that's why, that's why uh -huh. chefs have tantrums yeah. because they're yeah. not, they, they're, they're unable to, um, to just adapt. Mm -hmm. And so we never wanted to be that way. We just, so we're asking people to trust us. We're saying like, hey, we may not have your favorite. We may not have the onaga today because there's no onaga, yeah. right? We yeah. can't get it. We can't get <laughs> it. And I if mean, we do get it. We, you don't want to know where we had to get it from. That's right. <laughs> it's been on a, it's been it's, on a mm -hmm. boat for, yep. for yeah. four weeks. Yep. Mm -hmm. The easiest thing to get is probably the freshest thing that just came out of the ground. So yeah. that's how we, that's how we source. And it just makes it, it doesn't make it necessarily easy because the production is, is difficult, mm -hmm. but um, in terms of of how we source and it just it it's just it's just easier. Yeah, yeah. It it, it kind of makes it fun too, right? Like yes. working with, with you parameters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the hardest thing is when if we do special special catering, the person's like, just like do anything, and uh -huh. I said, no, <laughs> I need, yeah, I yeah, need a little bit more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is with anything, I think. It's yeah. like too much creative freedom. Has um, it been fun to, do you actually get to um, like go to the farms and like talk to the farmers or do you? So sometimes, sometimes. So we, so my goal, my goal now is to visit every single farm that we source from. Mm -hmm. So we source for a little restaurant, we source from over 30 different that's vendors. Yeah. And Local it, vendors. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so that's very, that's, that's a lot for mm -hmm. a small restaurant. So um, we, we just went to Kualoa Farms. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Anthony Mao is our is our point person there, and he arranged for us to um, to have a, a whole day at Kualoa. And nice. it's like it's it's like Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. <a> chef. <laughs> um, and it was so impressive. Um, the cows are are in these paddocks on the mountainside, uh -huh. and so I looked at I looked at them and I said. 
oh, I don't feel bad about eating you. <laughs> you, <laughs> like had you had a great life. You had a great life. You know, so they do everything is everything is 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 in a nice cycle of life at mm-hmm. Kualoa. And I think that what they're doing is very, um, if more systems could be based on that, then it would be really, really, really awesome. I know it takes a lot of labor. I know it takes a lot of money. So it's at, it, I'm by no means saying that it's an easy proposition, uh-huh. but they're working really hard at making it work. Mm-hmm. So we try, to, we try to visit all, you know, visit everyone. It's very difficult. Um, but the other, going back to what you were saying about locally sourced things, I think also people, the, the guests appreciate the fact that they, they need to wait for something, mm-hmm. right? And they look forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that as a society, especially in America, we just have completely not like, devalued the idea of waiting, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. let's wait for the next whatever season, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, and... And then our guests understand that, okay, well, we didn't have this today, so we're going to have something else. So, yeah, so yeah. kind of like, yeah, again, like just coming in with an open mind and just like being able to adapt on yes. both the customer level and then also in the, in the kitchen. Yes, for sure. Is, is there, that, is there yeah. an ingredient that you're into right now? <laughs> Everyone always asks me this. Um, what is the ingredient that I'm into right now? Uh, oh, well... There are these crazy expensive local potatoes from Maui. Ooh. Are they the little like ones? They're like the little, little and different colors. Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. wildly expensive. If are I they? I see them on plate. I mean, I, I've. it's like um, like purple and yellow. Yes. Yeah, like all the different colors. Yeah, yeah. So they're so I, cute and fun to eat. They're <laughs> delicious. Um, they're, uh, it's like a protein. It's <laughs> so expensive. Um, I don't know. It's so hard. It's because it's like when people ask me, what are my favorite dishes or what mm-hmm. it, it's it really depends on my mood mm-hmm. so i i we're so i'm always in i i really after all this time and it hasn't even been that long so even after six and a half years i'm still in awe you know when the when the when the deliveries come i just love just marveling marveling uh-huh. at what other people can do mm-hmm. so i was get upset with the cooks if they're not respecting the food mm. because I said you didn't grow this do you, yeah, know how, yeah. you know how hard it is to grow this uh-huh. I said you you we have the easiest part of this whole chain uh-huh. you know and it's, that just it's, gave me chicken skin yeah, it's that that, yeah, that you appreciate that and care so much about about that side of it <laughs> because they are like probably the most unappreciated part of the whole chain too mm-hmm. right and the people who i said the fish the fishermen risk their lives i mean people you guys probably know people that fish right mm-hmm. and they're they're very very um they're superstitious they're yeah. they're, they're yeah. secretive mm-hmm. um and and they they know that anytime they go on a boat things could go wrong yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there is that sort of weight, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have to, I have to tell the cooks, I have to remind them. It's not that they don't care; it's just that they need to be reminded, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So you have to respect the fish, you have to respect the vegetables, um, you have to respect all the meat and and everything that comes into because somebody actually made it. I mm-hmm. love that you know? because yeah. that spirit will carry like it starts with you, but it will carry through your kitchen and carry through your restaurant and to the person who's eating the food, yeah. hopefully. I yes. Think, I think a lot of people don't realize that part of the journey as well. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, the food gets cooked in the kitchen and you're eating it. But then like what happened before all that? Like 
how did this ingredient it come is not an easy life being a farmer we have farmer friends yes. and it's like they're up at the crack of dawn they're working all day in the hot sun and yeah pests, pests. Mm-hmm. it's brutal you know and i think because from day one we we made we made a promise to each other and then to also to our guests that we will tell you the truth mm-hmm. right we will tell you the truth so i'm not going to supplement if julius ludovico's chickens get attacked by mongoose right and so there's a cycle right so he chickens take what six weeks his to get to weight so he has all these chickens at different stages right mm-hmm. and so if part if 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 part of the stage, because they're too little, and then a mongoose gets into the coop and basically decimates that group. Of mm-hmm. that stage. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So that means I'm not going to have chickens for, like, a, a, set, a certain week. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Like, I don't know uh-huh. what That's it is. That's crazy, yeah. So mm-hmm. we're not going to supplement with another chicken. Mm-hmm. We're simply not going to serve Ludovico chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be able to have fried chicken when you come to fat. Yeah. And when we tell people this, they're, they're, they're not upset. They're like, yeah. they feel bad for Julius yeah. and the yeah, chickens, yeah. right? Totally. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, oh, think, you know, but I do know that, it, and it's literally like on Eater, every single week there's a different article about this. this oh, I love that double fried chicken. This, re- <laughs> this restaurant <laughs> said they were doing this, but uh-huh. they were actually not sourcing this way or they were lying to the guests or because yeah. of the pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And so we we change it up a lot because of availability and we're very we're very transparent. When we first opened up FET, we you know, we we weren't source, sourcing as much locally as we we are now. And so we had this like really delicious burger. And so I, this is in the first year we're open. And it was it was, you know, it was a feedlot beef, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Uh-huh. And so so one of the servers said, um, a guest wants to know where the beef comes from. And I said, you can tell them it's from a feedlot. And then they they just looked at me. And I said, no, I'm being serious. You can tell them that. Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh-huh. and then they wouldn't leave. And I said, no, it's okay. Do you, would you like me to go out there and tell them? Because, because this is, we don't have anything to hide. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when you think about how you run your, your own houses or how your parents ran, ran their houses, right? Mm-hmm. There were certain things that were unnegotiable, right? Mm-hmm. We have to get this brand of Shampoo. Shampoo or <laughs> detergent. Show you. Mm-hmm. Or, show, or show you, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. And yeah. then there was another, there were other things where, like, anything that was on sale was okay. Yep, yep. Because, because the household had to maintain a budget. Mm-hmm. But there were things, there were certain, like, favorite things that were unnegotiable. We run the restaurant the same way. Mm-hmm. So, so we are a scratch kitchen, but... We use a lot of Hellman's mayonnaise or Best Foods mayonnaise mm-hmm. because we love it. And it's delicious. Yeah, yeah that's right? the best one. <laughs> um, so we we buy our fries because our fry is delicious. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna make. So we try to do the you know we try to do that mix. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're coming to Fet for a point of view, mm-hmm. and this is our point of view, mm-hmm. and it might not be your thing, and that's okay. That's it's if you if you make a movie if you make music it might not be everyone's thing mm-hmm. but that's okay yeah mm-hmm. but you're aiming toward that target guest target client target customer and that's how that's who's gonna attract be attracted to you right that particular guest that's your target guest yes. right yes 
We don't want all of them. We do not want all of them. <laughs> and even in our cooking too. So I won't ever send out. How many times have you ordered a steak, and you know that it's not the right temperature? Oh, I don't. I don't like to order steaks out because I know I can cook it at home. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Because and because you've been disappointed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. So I'm not going to. I've I've worked places where the chef will lose their shit because they sent out a medium rare when when everyone knows that it was raw, you know, or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it gets packed to the kitchen, and then there's this whole yeah, they get upset, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just. So, but so I will tell Chuck. I said, you know what? This needs more time, or or I'll say, hey, I overcooked this. Mm-hmm. So, can you please go out to the table and say, the kitchen overcooked this. You, you, you're welcome to have it. We'll take it off, or you. If you want a new one, we're gonna have. You're gonna have to wait. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna like pretend uh-huh. that mm-hmm. that that's just keeping yourself accountable. Yes, too, right? it is yeah. right. And I think and that just adds honest. value. Exactly, it just adds value mm-hmm. to what you're serving and what they're eating as well. Because also, I think that people have to be reminded and that there's real there's real people making the food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And 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 again, that goes back to what I said before it's a miracle i mean really it's a miracle not a miracle <laughs> but like you crush fingers every time <laughs> yeah because because there's so many things happening yes. in tandem mm-hmm. right and so what i like to tell the cooks is when so if you have on one hand perfection on the other hand um Real not nice. acceptable so oh. un- unservable uh-huh. right whoops oh, sorry whoa <laughs> um um, really we're trying to hit that we're not trying for perfection because nothing will get done the cooks Mm -hmm. will go too slow they'll be enthralled they'll just be like in just ooh, this is we're just trying to make this really no (laughs) that's not fat (laughs) that's not fat so we are trying to hit that sort of middle to almost perfect perfect Mm -hmm. all it consistently mm-hmm. and that's the target yeah that's mm-hmm. the target that's a sweet spot so mm-hmm. the sweet spot is pretty big mm-hmm. yeah. right and so um so that's that's what we're trying to do every single day because that's it, it otherwise if we ask for this perfection every single day we're gonna drive everyone insane mm-hmm. right it will take too mm-hmm. long and then we'll make everyone crazy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel like as a guest nobody's well i'm not expecting perfection i'd rather have the honesty like oh it might be a little over but if you want it give you more yeah give you the choice right Right. like i'm part of this decision like i'm part of this experience too and and i think that that's going back to how we were raised eating right right how many times is like your mother or your dad said like oh don't did a little bit over today, but you know, it's still good. Right. We're mm-hmm. not saying you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. just saying, because you're out, we realize that you're out and mm-hmm. we want to have a, you have a good occasion, but it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure you have your idea of perfection is way, way up here. Oh, I know. No, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I have to calibrate my, my, my mood and reassure the cooks reassure the front that everything's like okay mm-hmm. you know and so yeah I, I love that approach you know like so many times you've mentioned like you, you kind of run fat as you're running your own house like you know like how you cook at home how your parents cooked for you at home and you kind of just like stuck to your roots and brought it to your restaurant that's that's 
personally i love those are my favorite meals like yes. going to somebody's home and uh-huh. just yes. like feeling that warmth and like yeah, you know about the it experience doesn't, the right. Right. like the, the food doesn't have to be perfect but it's like the whole experience right the whole experience mm-hmm. and so that's that's what i think with the way that food was moving was so much about the food and that that the stakes were so high and then that's it puts it puts chefs and restaurant operators in this untenable situation mm-hmm. which then leads to okay you know what Aviva, he's coming in we'll just do it this one time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just supplement like you know we'll just supplement this one time and mm-hmm. then the one time you know how it's very slippery slope yeah, it is yeah right you just Once you one, compromise it, it just becomes too easy mm-hmm. to as to do and so it's 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 really sort of and it's not i'm not trying to be holier than thou about it or you know pollyanna about this whole thing it's just what is what is practical mm-hmm. right and so that's how we that's how we run the business and it's the same thing with labor mm-hmm. right so everyone's like what's going on with labor and i said well everyone has labor issues mm-hmm. my my brother-in-law who has a dentist practice has labor issues mm-hmm. so what do we do do we hire someone that is just a warm body to just fill the space who creates it creates chaos right mm-hmm. it really really makes it harder mm-hmm. or do we adapt the business to the number of people that are working so that's what we deci- that's sort of what we decided to do when the pandemic happened so mm-hmm. once we realized that we we were we secured our ppp mm-hmm. then we then we decided okay no more no more yihas like it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. You have to, yep. in order to work at FET, you have to be like-minded. You have to be dedicated to understanding what we do here. You have to be kind. You have to be generous. Um, and if you're not those things, you cannot work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to stick to your values. Yeah. Right? Your values. Because you spend so much time. You know, you yeah. have the mm-hmm. wrong person on the crew. And it's just so much it. time that you already invested, the hours of time that you'll never get back. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so I think a lot about owning a business and a restaurant or yeah, I guess a business in general is like just problem solving and adapting and mm-hmm. you would do that. So Yeah. That's so I love that. I love the whole approach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanna yeah. go there right now. <laughs> um let's talk about the award. Okay. Yeah, did you I mean, tell us okay, so I was talking to my husband and I was like, Robin Mark uh, James Beard Award. He's like, What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people don't know what it is. So just really quickly, um, James Beard uh, was sort of a bomb vivant. He was a, also a culinary teacher. He wrote cookbooks. He was a contemporary of Julia Child. Um, mm-hmm. He grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, mm, I didn't know that. And a lot of, he was gay. Mm-hmm. And um, he he loved to eat and drink. Mm-hmm. And um when he passed away, he lived in the West Village in New York City. When he passed away, Jula Child um, got funds together to buy the his house. Mm-hmm. And it cha- changed into the James Beard house. And mm-hmm. so, gosh, I think I want to say probably in the 90s, mm-hmm. the award started. And so that's, the, they are sort of the the most esteemed awards in, in the culinary world in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you... And so the last person to win from Hawaii was like 2003, right? Yes. So that was like 19 years ago. 19 years ago. So, so now coming out of COVID and everything and then... So do you, you know that you're nominated first. You go out there, right? Yes. So um, it... Gosh, it was it's, it's still overwhelming. So yes. I have to like <laughs> gather surreal. my thoughts. Yeah. So um, it, it, the reason... So 
so James Beard, the, the house took two years off. Uh-huh. So in 2020, they announced the semifinalists. And then they ended up not saying who the winners were. Oh. And oh. it really, really, really pissed off a lot of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> for the people who were nominated. Yeah, yeah. So you're a semifinalist. So the semifinalist oh. is sort of a bigger pool. Okay. And then um, several weeks later, they announced the finalists. So it goes mm. maybe from like 15, 10, 15 people down to four or five people. Mm-hmm. Do they give out a certain number of awards um, a year? They, or on the year that they w- were doing it? Um, so... Every single year, they start. They tweak the awards. Mm-hmm. So, so back in the day, the regional awards were there were fewer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And then so they started breaking it up based on you know geographically because New York City was lumped with everybody else. So all every single time New York City would New win, right? Yeah, yeah the yeah. New York City restaurant would win. Uh-huh. Okay, like every like so then they so it gets it gets sort of revised every single year there there are a lot of awards um and then there were no awards in 2021 so 2022 was like very exciting Mm -hmm. um and normally first time nominees don't usually win so Uh this is why it's even more unexpected that's crazy right so when so when it was happening i just it, it was just it's an out. I know it sounds very cliche, but it was a very out of out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Emily is on my right. She's screaming. My husband is like screaming, and he's he's basically. I'm sitting there, and he's basically like, like, you, like you stand up. <laughs> yeah, you won. So, so then I yeah. So so that's that's why it was overwhelming. I think that if I had to put what I felt sad about was the other nominees all came. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, and this is, I, I hopefully, hopefully I'll, I'll get my thoughts together and share it with the Beard Foundation, but I just felt that there should have been something more for all the nominees. Because mm-hmm. mm. be, even just being be- nominated. Yes, is, is a big it, deal. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was a big trip, mm-hmm. right? And so I just felt there should have been a little bit more attention to to the nominees as a group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so, so so it made, it was very bittersweet because I was very keen because you don't go by yourself. You bring a ton of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, and so then there's the anticipation and then there's the expense mm-hmm. and then who's watching the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. There's all of these logistics that have to be figured out. So you, I, I do feel that just to be nominated needs to be, there needs to be a little yeah, bit more huge. pomp and cir- circumstance. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, even if you're nominated, you can say, like, if you're, like, Emmy-nominated filmmaker yes. or whatever, you can say, and, like, and pe- Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But I do feel like the because of the occasion and, and uh-huh. having the everyone in one award yeah. ceremony mm-hmm. portion. Yes. Right. Or maybe even, because they can't have a 10-hour award ceremony. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But just something during that, weekend because mm-hmm. everyone is already there mm-hmm. yeah but it so so How, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. I know, you're so humble because like, no, even when we're talking asking about the reward award you're like talking about other people i know like oh well, like, i was the sad part i was like how, how can yeah, there be a like, sad wait, wait. what's gonna be the well, sad part in this so it's very exciting it's very it's very unreal what, um, what does it mean to you you know like it means for me it it means that everyone that has contributed something to fet 
is is being recognized. Mm-hmm. And I and I I joke and I said I'd like to thank thank my accountant, but really, I'd like to thank my accountant. Like he, <laughs> without your accountant, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't be here yes. today. He, without, yeah, instrumental, right? Mm-hmm. And and everyone talks about the farmers, and everyone talks about, um, right? Who makes our cheese? You know, Emma makes our cheese. Um, <laughs> but what about all the other people that bring stuff to the restaurant? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There are so many people, so many hands, so many hands, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. many hands. And um, and the repair people. Let's let's talk about them. <laughs> so so for me, the fact that Fed got recognized means that um, everyone that's contributed is it's it's working. So that's uh-huh. what it means to me. Yeah, and, yes. and you're you're so generous in that because it also it and it also shows like what a great leader you are because you are leading this team and they're wanting to do a good job for you because of the leader that you are and the the little environment that you've created well i just i wanted so i said this in other interviews but and other print things that i wanted to change industry meaning that i don't why are we yelling why are why are people yelling at the poor delivery guy yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not his fault. Yeah, just doing their job. Yeah. Right? Like, why or why are we yelling at our rep? Mm-hmm. Because something didn't come in. Mm-hmm. That's not the rep's fault. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right? Like, that, that it, it's, again, I'd like to remind everyone we live on an island, mm-hmm. right? So, so when I hear about these old tropes of, you know, chefs freaking out because they're not getting what they, what they asked for, I just don't understand. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's good business. I don't, I don't think it's how you treat people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we really try to our best. It's not to say that we're perfect. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect, mm-hmm. but, um, we're, we're just really trying to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you do talk awesome. about it. I, I hear you talking about it like a business and like, as if we were interviewing any other like business owner versus like. I feel like a lot of chefs might have this more like I'm the artist. Yeah, <laughs> the artist. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's fine. Maybe they maybe they have a, a, a you know they are the artists and there's a restaurant owner that's taking care of the other aspects and so right. But it's just it's 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 chucking me. So mm-hmm. you know we're we're married and we have to fi- problem solve and. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have children, so we have the headspace to do this problem solving. I think that, you know, when I think about chefs that have kids and they run restaurants and they're chef owners, and I just, I don't know how they do it because mm. it's all consuming, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so we have that space, that extra space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm like so stoked for you and like I know. And like That's so crazy. not only I were you the first to win since like 2003 but then also like first female um of Native Hawaiian descent, right? So like that's huge for the people of Hawaii. Yeah, I want I I think that people are finally realizing that there's Hawaii is more than a destination just for sun and beach <laughs> and, yes. and mountains mm-hmm. and that we have we really truly are a culinary destination. Um, and I, I know it's a big trip for people, but I get sad when I hear about people going to a cheesecake factory. No, yes, right, lining up. Or like why? I know or why. Um, Subway, yeah. <laughs> right? Like eat eat something different mm-hmm. while yeah, you're yeah. in Hawaii. Exactly. So you can get all that back home, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then and also to be in Chinatown. 
So it's it's it was really, gosh. And I think about when the pandemic first started. It literally overnight, it just there was nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's the I whole island, yeah. Yeah, that's such a that would be such a weird sight just to see Chinatown quiet and yes. empty. So it's 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 wonderful to be. We we made it through, and we're going to continue to do as much as we can. And and I don't know. I don't know what the future is. Yeah, I was about that to was ask, our like, next what's question. Ne- like, what's what's next? next? Where do you go after you win the James Beard <laughs> <laughs> Award? Well, I think, and not to, I, I said to everyone, it's it it comes with a lot of responsibility. I feel. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because now now people are watching more, and then there's greater anticipation. Or like, what are you? You know, you're, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I, I don't know. Nice. <laughs> I think we keep doing you. We're <laughs> going to keep doing us. And then hopefully I would like to do one more brick and mortar project. Yeah. And do something that will allow me to do more sweets. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> and then, right. So sweets. Grandma's and croissant recipe. <laughs> sweets and ice cream and, and Ooh, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, but that's just that that's, yeah, way yeah, down the line. The line. Uh-huh. And then I would love to do a cookbook, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. I think a lot of people would love that. Um, but I, I just, because I love cookbooks, and I think people have seen some people who have sit upstairs in our dining, PDR dining room, our private dining room, they've seen our library. So I would love to do a cookbook. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, I, I don't know. know you guys that. had a private dining room. <laughs> oh, now, now, we we can, now, we, now we can throw <laughs> some parties there. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, um, it's really nice. It's intimate. Um, and I still want to, I want to do more with, I don't know. I always feel like we should do more of like philanthropically. Like mm-hmm. I, and everyone says you already do a lot. And it, it, yeah. I, for me, I, it's because it's not, you can probably get that I'm very, you know, retentive and, and, and sort of OCD. So for me, I want to s- really hone in and make a bigger impact than mm-hmm. than doing these sporadic mm-hmm. things Can where I, I feel focus. yes where I feel I feel that our energy is just being dispersed mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than honed and and making a greater impact and this is so I have that's what I would like to focus on is sort of it, and of course I've asked our dear friends at Umu team Umu to help us um, uh-huh. sort of get there awesome. because there's they do it so well so Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have an amazing platform now, and we definitely need more, more of you and more of your expertise and even just yeah, energy. It, like I love yeah, your, just energy. your energy. Just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, even you know, like going forward, a big topic of discussion is like um, eating, like having more sustainability here on the island, and being able to just like more easily get the food that's being grown here or make it easier for people to grow things here and less dependence on outside of Hawaii. So I don't know. I feel like maybe you could lend your expertise somehow. Well, I think it's already happening with the, you know, pandemic. Mm-hmm. It changed, it changed the farms, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden every, I mean, everyone loves Costco, right? I mean, I love Costco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my guilty yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, um, it, it's this idea that, okay, yeah, no, I can spend $4 on a pound on kale. Like, that's okay, mm-hmm. right? And so everyone wanted it. And so the farms thrived in, in the pandemic. And I think that it it's not going to go back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think that the way... Because once you're exposed to that. Yes, yep. 
Yes, and and so I think that it's the moment to 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 continue with that and to remind people, um, and so they can, you know, there is Costco for certain things, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe they're they're going to their they're doing a CSA or maybe they're visiting the market more often and mm-hmm. they're they're realizing this is why this food is so expensive mm-hmm. right yeah. and that it's worth it it's worth it it will last yeah. longer it's I don't even more buy delicious any produce from Costco it's like right. dead in the next day well, not just that but like uh, it's funny cuz then through the pandemic as well like at home as well like my wife and I were like more picky now with food like we go to the farmers market and all that and like you know, when you go to Costco, yes, it's cheap and you buy in bulk. But then, like, we always, like, end up wasting a lot of it. Cause right, it's because like, you can't get to it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, like, if you're, like, more, like, I guess, like, focused and honed in on what you want to cook. Yeah, intentional when you mm-hmm. buy things. It's, like, whoa, this tastes better. Yes. And you don't waste anything. And it's yes. just, like, qu- higher quality. And you're supporting local, so. Yeah, yeah. it is such a good, like, ho- homey feeling when you go and, like, buy your produce. Yeah, yeah. And, like, spend time making something that the act of, like, going through a recipe book it's just it like just i don't know it just makes you feel so like so homey well i think a good feeling it's also ties into time Mm -hmm. right if so so the pandemic forced people to slow down right it changed the way how we valued things and purchased things and then time became different Mm -hmm. and then so now people realize okay, I can make time to go to the market mm-hmm. it's because yes. because it's important, mm-hmm. right? It's not just... So I it it's really incredible, you know, what, what's come up mm-hmm. come out of this really awful mm-hmm. time in our lives. Um, but something had to happen because yeah, it was just sure. going too fast. Mm-hmm. Everything was going... You couldn't keep up. And so that's that's what we we want to continue to do at FED is to, like I said, I said to Chuck, I said, we we can't do any more food. Mm-hmm. Like, so wh- what we're working on is we have, we're, we're short staffed, right? Mm-hmm. So rather than we are, we are right now, like today, like the conversation I'm going to have with my husband after our, I talk to <laughs> you guys is what is the formula? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a stats person, but I, there has to be some kind of formula of like based on the number of cooks that we have. And when I say cooks, I'm including Emily and me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is actually sane for the restaurant? Mm. Because we we can pack in as many people as as we can, mm-hmm. right? But we can't keep up with the food production. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you kind of have to give up some things and like right. figure out like, okay, with these resources, what can we do yes. to the best or at least to stay focused and hit that sweet spot? Yes, like, right? and to make sure that when people do come, they're getting they're getting the experience. Mm-hmm. They're not just getting some like subpar, right? You know, right. because we're just trying to like hang on to mm-hmm. the bus, yep, yep. right? While the wheels are coming off. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but it, again, that's something that is it's it's the owner's responsibility to recognize those things and to to make to make a move yeah get ahead know? of it before it just runs you yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're not ahead of it no i <laughs> well, think you're I think doing that's it today and that's the best that you yeah. can do and i think that's what kind of separates you too because you're you're not yeah. just thinking as the chef you're thinking also as like the business owner and how to like stay alive and like make everything work you know yeah. so you're Healthy. putting all the pieces a good leader great leader yeah yeah and we're rooting for you yes. and we will just come to fit whenever we can get an appointment uh, a reservation even if it's three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> for dinner. Dinner. <laughs> so the the um the secret is is i know we, we use open table but we always leave 
space. Uh-huh. So if if open table is not happening, just, just call, call call the restaurant yeah. or, yeah. or stop maybe there's in. a cancellation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you never know. Yeah. So we keep some wiggle room in there just in case. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you so much for Thank making time. Thank you so much, and congratulations on your award and your success. Thank and you. It's been it's been so nice to talk to you about it all. Ooh, podcasts are fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to do more, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stoked that. This is your first your podcast. Your first one, yeah. Yes, first po- podcast. I love it. You nailed it. You killed it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank go. you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed Chef's story. And go please subscribe, like, Bet. yes. Go Bet. see Bet her at FetHawaii.com? Yes. Or on Instagram at FetHawaii yes. as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you anywhere at Open Table? And how can people make a reservation? Open Table is the best. Okay. Um, second best is um, call the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if... If someone's not answering the phones because everyone's running around, so they're um, short staffed, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but just try again. Be patient with us, please. Thank yeah. you. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, so you. Much. Thank you guys.